0: Hi and welcome to episode number 200 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led entrepreneurs and online business owners learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. This podcast is brought to you by Cindable, which is the all-in-one social media management tool that my agency uses every single day to schedule posts and analyze our results. Try them out for yourself by going to onlinedrea.com slash I'm super excited for today's episode because it's a huge milestone. 200 episodes down. 3 years later, we are still in the one of the top 100 marketing podcasts every single week when the show comes out. We usually rank in the US, Canada, UK, Australia and really all over the world. And so to kick off this episode, I'm doing a giveaway. Um, if you head on over to my Instagram at online and you leave a comment on the latest posts, it's going to say giveaway. You'll be entered to win a one-year membership to the Savvy Social School, which is our flagship program. It teaches everything from start to finish with social media. And it's really what you need, all of the tools you need to really leverage social media as a tool to grow your business. One of the things that a lot of people say about the Savvy Social School is that it gives them direction, it gives them focus, and it reduces the overwhelming feeling. So head on over to my latest Instagram at OnlineDrea, click on that latest post and leave a comment and you'll be entered to win this giveaway. And by the way, if you want a little bit of a sample of what's in the Savvy Social School, check out our free course. It is the sample size version of our programming. You will get the training that you need as well as some done for you content pieces like captions and graphics and more. You can find that at onlinedrea.com free. All right. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm talking about the 7 biggest marketing fails that I've had in my 8 years of business. And I'm going to talk about my all-time favorite win at the end of this episode. But I wanted to talk about marketing fails because I think it's something that... Um, is so easy to brush under the rug. It's easy to talk about the wins. We always love to hear the wins, right? Uh, but it's really tough to kind of examine those moments of quote unquote failure and actually have a lesson learned from it, even if that lesson is like, Oops, don't do that again. <laughs> you know. So I want to take some time to talk about these failures um, in my business and where I took some wrong terms and where things got ugly. And uh, my hope is that by the end of this episode, you won't feel alone and you'll learn from these failures. (laughs) All right. So failure number one actually happened pretty early on in my career. So a little bit of a backstory. I have been on these internet streets (laughs) since 2004. That's when I started my first blog. Um, It was a Harry Potter blog-ish. It was really a blog about my life. And I just happened to be also obsessed with Harry Potter. Um, and I, it was a personal blog, I would say, um, did that for a few years. I started also doing fashion blogging, um, in 2008 with my sister, we started our fashion blog, Simply Fashion TV. Um, and then I took over, I was gonna say bought her out, but there was no money exchanged. I took over the blog solely fairly early on. Um, and with that fashion blog, this is actually my first taste of success, in the online space. It's the first time where I actually got paid to do stuff on the internet. Otherwise, before that point, I was just having fun. And I got asked by Macy's to cover an event um, that Steve Madden was hosting. He was releasing a new line of shoe. And um, it was right around the time where um, I think he was collaborating with Betsy Johnson as well. And so I got asked by Macy's to show up and interview Steve Madden. I don't even know how they found me. I don't, I don't know if I went looking for them if they found me, but I knew this was huge for my blog. Um, I played it off as if I had a team helping me and my team was my mom. <laughs> she was my camera person. Um, I got all dressed up, all dulled up and went to Macy's. Um, got to be in the green room with Steve Madden and got to interview him. And y'all, this was like 2008, 2009. I think it was 2008. Um, So this was weird. I had a camcorder, right? We didn't really do like the smartphone stuff back then. I had my camcorder. I was on YouTube and that's how I, (laughs) that's how I was doing my thing. And I did not charge my camera and I did not have a backup battery. Right before hitting play on that interview, my mom said, oh, yes. And as we usually do, let's also just record the audio separately on your phone, which at the time, again, it was weird. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure, mom. I'll do that. I mean, not mom, assistant. <laughs> Y'all, this is ridiculous. I knew they knew she was my mom. Um, okay. So the camera died. My mom sit there holding the camera as if it were recording the entire time. Um, the camera died and we had the audio. And y'all, this was a huge marketing fail for me um, to not show up prepared to something like a Steve Madden interview. Imagine if I could use that video today. I have about two minutes of video recorded and that's it. No more, just the audio. We did get a photo. So I often use that photo in my marketing, especially when I talk about this fail. But yeah, that was my first lesson learned is be prepared for everything in marketing always have a backup shout out to my mom who's like the OG here for the backups uh i don't know what we would have done if we didn't have the audio cuz at least i was able to take the 2 seconds of video and then kind of like transition it into like the photo with the audio in the background again 2008 that was like a genius move But had it not been for that backup, I would have been screwed. So that's my first marketing fail. Uh, And it technically happened before I started the business, uh, but it is a, a key moment for me. All right. So my second marketing fail came early on into the business. So I started my business in 2014 And I was doing a lot of different things at the time, but quickly landed on social media. I like social media marketing, it was just an emerging kind of um, like sector of marketing, if you will. And I remember somebody that I knew online was talking about buying followers and they sent me this website. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was like, you paid a couple of bucks and they gave you like a hundred followers and you could buy all sorts of things, followers, likes, subscribers on YouTube, um, anything, anything you wanted. And so I was just starting my freelancing business, and I hadn't really started up my my business as me. I still had my personal blog, and I had my Simply Fashion TV side of the business. So I decided to give it a shot. I was like, "What's the harm in buying followers? What could possibly go wrong, y'all?" Second biggest marketing fail of my entire career is buying followers. Do not do this. Number one. At the time, this was actually way less strict than it is now. Um, buying followers now will get your account closed, banned, whatever. Back then, it was like the wild, wild west. Anything go went. But when I uh, bought followers, the thing that was weird about this transaction was that I bought the followers and I instantly felt shame that I did it. I think I bought 100 followers for my Simply Fashion TV Instagram account. Um, but then my engagement rate like tanked. And at the time, engagement on Instagram was high because there wasn't a lot of content creators at the time. And um, this was still fairly early on. So I saw like a bunch of followers come in, but my engagement didn't look great. So then I went to the same site and bought like likes and comments and things. And you can tell it was kind of automated, right? It looks like I bought followers. So again, shame. Um, the second thing that buying followers did is that the Instagram at the time, and they still do this, is cleaning out followers. So after a couple of months, all of those followers were gone anyways, most of them. Um, My engagement was still awful. And I was noticing some funky things happening with my account. like um, People that I didn't follow suddenly were in my feed. And I know this is normal now, like 2022, but back then that was weird. I was like, how did this happen? And once the shadiness started happening in that way, I stopped immediately. I was like, there's something weird about this. This doesn't feel right. I'm never doing this again. Now I get asked this question all the time by people, by clients and uh, potential clients and students because it can work for some people. Like I've seen the studies where someone goes, "I'm an influencer. I like paid, you know, thousands of dollars to have a hundred thousand dollars followers, and then from there I built up my real following." But I think that those stories are like they're like the rags to riches i started with 0 dollars and i'm a multi-kajillionaire like it happens to 1 in a million people your average user is actually going to be penalized for buying followers the platforms are more savvy now so they will ban and close your account if you have too many funky things happening like an influx of followers. Um, If you are an influencer in the influencer space, there's ways to see that we can see as marketers. If you've bought followers, we don't want to work with people who haven't done that. And in the long-term, it has no benefit to your business. And I know this because I've done it. Okay. So this is my mistake that I'm sharing with you because I don't want you to do the same thing. Okay. So that was my second biggest marketing fail and um i actually like that one because then i can speak to it from knowledge when people say should i buy followers i say absolutely not um we actually had a client recently who did this with youtube subscribers and um now they get so much spam on their channels and we're not ranking for any of our keywords <laughs> so you know to each his own but uh don't recommend it all right so third biggest marketing fail in 8 years of business is my commitment to YouTube. I started blogging in 2004, but I started YouTube in 2007. And YouTube is really what helped launch my desire to be in the online space. Um, When I created my YouTube channel, I posted videos about once a month, really did not commit to any sort of schedule. Some months would have a bunch of videos and then some months would have none. Um I went to events like VidCon. I was the very first ever VidCon. <laughs> um you know, got to meet people like Philip DeFranco and uh, Jenna Marbles and Hank and John Green and you know like people who started the YouTube Stuff, right? Like the people who we look to as the OG people. And I just did this casually. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that I also met my husband on YouTube in 2013. After the second VidCon that I went to, I made a commitment to start collaborating with a bunch of people, just like you'd interview someone on a podcast. Uh, we did a collaboration together on a video. And then we just kept talking. And I went to see him in Toronto. He came to Atlanta to see me. The rest is history. Um, and we've been married for almost 8 years. So YouTube was pivotal in my career. But the second... When I tell you the second, the second that uh, my business started taking off, YouTube took a backseat. Um, my husband and I often joke as well. We literally especially on his end. I think he was only creating videos for a year. Um, YouTube helped us find each other. And then we just stopped making videos. There's no personal videos on my channel anymore, on my personal channel. I've hidden everything over there anyways. On the Simply Fashion TV side, it all died. And so and then even for my business, for the Online Andrea account, every year, it's on my to-do list to commit more to YouTube. And it's my biggest marketing fail. And the reason that I want to highlight this is because YouTube has continued to dominate the marketing space. And when we think about discovery, every time I run year-end reports, a lot of people found us through YouTube. They searched for something that they desperately needed help with. They found one of our videos, they watched the video and they went, this is amazing. Let me sign up for her stuff, like the free course or something else that we offer. And then they go through our funnels and then become students or they just become amazing members of our community. And I really wish sometimes that I had doubled down on YouTube early on and really carved out the time to create more content there. Um, I spent so much time on like the more social of the social media sites. And I definitely did not spend enough time on the uh, more long-term platforms like YouTube. So that's one of my biggest marketing fails. And it's something that I'm working on now. So this year, we're committing to... I started off with 4 videos uh, a month and then I reduced it to 2 because that was a lot in addition to this podcast, which is our main marketing uh, vehicle. Um, So we're doing two additional YouTube videos a month in addition to our podcast episodes. And we're already seeing the traction pick up from that. We're also cross-posting to YouTube from TikTok. um, And those videos are doing well as well as YouTube shorts. But I wanted to say that because if you're thinking about doing long-form content like YouTube or um, even blogging to some extent, do it now. Commit to it now because that content lives forever. All right. That's the third mistake. Let's get through the rest of these. The fourth biggest marketing fail in the past eight years of business is that I spent way, way too much time creating social media-specific content. And this is something we've been talking a lot about in the Savvy Social School lately, which is the concept of building out your digital brain. And it's what we do here with this podcast. Um, we commit to creating content for the podcast, and then we repurpose those thoughts and ideas on social media as social media content. In the early days, I was spending so much time creating social media-specific content, meaning that a concept, a thought, a story, an idea would live on social media first. And we know that social media moves entirely too quickly for that. If you spend you know 30 minutes crafting a post that people are going to see for a day, maybe two days and then it's gone, is that really worth your time or would it be more valuable to spend an hour creating a podcast episode that's going to continue to get traffic driven to it, continue to get downloads and listens over the years. So I really wish that earlier in my career, I committed to more long form content. As soon as I landed on the podcast in 2018, my business changed completely, (laughs) y'all completely. And here we are at episode 200. Um, I'm more of a talker than a writer anyways. And so I found that the the medium of podcasting works really well for me. I can then layer in my team and have them listen to episodes and repurpose them into social content, into newsletters, into even concepts for YouTube videos and blogs. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I think I made in the past eight years is spending way too much time and wasting time on social media-specific content. Marketing mistake number five is posting when I feel like it. (laughs) I had to learn this one the hard way. I talked about this a few episodes ago in episode 192 uh, when I talk about social media habits. It's one of those things that I wish I were the type of person who woke up inspired every day. And I'm just not. And I used to think that There was something wrong with me because of it. You see all the influencers out here, you know, documenting their entire day. That's just not my personality. Um, I can do it for a couple of days in a row, but then I have a couple of days where I don't feel like it. And I think we're all that way. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe not. I think most of us are that way, especially those of us who are business owners. Um, there's the ups and downs of running a business that's very challenging. It's a different world than being a content creator. And we can't rely on our feelings for that. And my biggest mistake in marketing over the years has been relying on my feelings for that. Um, now... I batch create content and I kind of do it in waves. So I teach this method in the Savvy Social School. It's a, it's a, a way that you can create content that works for you. Uh, but I also want to share that some of my insights over the years is that when I'm feeling inspired, there are certain moments in the year where I feel more inspired than others. And there are certain things that happen in my business where it makes it very hard for me to create content. An example being when we're going through something like hiring or firing, or even with our clients, onboarding new clients, offboarding clients, it's very, very hard for me to feel like creating content. It's a very emotional process for me. Um, If everything is going fine in that area, um, especially if we have some big wins for our clients, it's very easy for me to create content. So I lean into those moments, a moment like now where I cleared out the entire day. We just finished onboarding a team member and a few clients. I don't have anything for the next week or two where I have to be thinking about and strategizing and making decisions. My brain is freed up. We're batch recording podcast episodes right now. Okay. So I'm not waiting until I feel like it. I'm kind of designing my time around it. And if I had learned this sooner, I feel like that mistake number three of not committing to YouTube wouldn't be as uh, painful to me because I would have found that solution earlier. All right. The sixth biggest marketing fail in the past eight years of business was handing off my social media without explaining what I wanted in the direction that I wanted. And this is something that. I can so easily see when a client is doing it, <laughs> but when I started hitting off my social, I was like, "Ooh, that's that's not it. That's not what I wanted," and it's such a big fail because it it wastes so much time. Um, I've tried to outsource my own social media several times over the years. The biggest challenge for me is that I am an experimenter. I am a marketer. And that's my zone of genius. So it's really hard to find someone who can fit in that zone of genius. And I talked about this in a recent newsletter. Um, if you're on the email list, you got this. Um, and I, I will probably repurpose it to social at some point as well. But you know, when you're outsourcing your social... There are some people like our clients where outsourcing social, it's not a strength of theirs. And when they outsource it, it like skyrockets because they were really struggling. Um, For me, it is a little bit of the opposite where social is doing well and I'm just getting maybe a tired, or I just need a break. And I try to outsource. I don't really explain what I want. I just go keep doing what I'm doing. But the instinct isn't there. And it kind of tanks a little bit. And this happens when, especially when you're great at social media. So what I've learned is to outsource bits and pieces of my social content. So instead of outsourcing the strategy piece, which is honestly one of my queen bee roles, I'm reading Clockwork run like clockwork right now, and it's one of those books that talks about as a business owner, you have the thing that you do and that you protect with your time. And social media experimenting is one of those things where um, I gotta protect it with my time. It's it's our livelihood, it's the business, it's how I can show up here on the podcast and how I can show up for our clients. Um, and so to outsource that piece, we'll lose some of that that magic of it all, and especially when I'm not explaining the magic behind it all. So what I've done is instead of outsourcing all of my social, I outsource bits and pieces of it. Um, And this has been an amazing transformation (laughs) in the outcome. Um, I create guides for my team on exactly what it should look like, where we're going, the direction that we're going with our marketing, what experiments we're, we're taking, and then where they should be pulling content from. A podcast episode like this, for instance, could potentially be at least seven posts with every single marketing fail, plus the win, plus the stories that I've told in between. I mean, there's dozens of post ideas in here in just this episode alone. And so for me, it's much easier to point to an episode like this and go, okay, now pull out three post ideas versus going, talk about marketing mistakes that business owners make right? Like there's th- there's going to be like a, um, like a blandness to that kind of post because they're only going to know their experience and what they can Google, right? So I think sometimes as business owners, we feel like we have to outsource it all and go, I'm not thinking about it anymore. But you still need to understand the direction, the strategy, where you want to go, and then understand the perks or understand the downside of outsourcing. I'm a huge fan of outsourcing. It's honestly, it's our business, right? It's how we make money as a company, but also it's not for everybody. And so I don't want it to come across that way, you know? And the last marketing fail of my 8 years in business is focusing way too much on the how-to instead of the why. And this is a transition I made in the business in the last 2 years. We talk a lot about social media mindfulness now because of that why. But in the early days of my business, I talked a lot about the how-to how to post this many times on Facebook, um, how to design a Canva graphic, how to do this, that, and the other thing with social media. And the how-to is great. It does help real people in. But now when I speak about social media issues, I'm way more focused on the why. And that's because as an online educator, what I've learned in teaching adults is that we have to know why we're doing something. Otherwise, it's going to be really challenging to commit To doing it. Okay. And this is why I talk a lot about mindset because oftentimes when it comes to social media, it's so easy to get bogged down by all of the changes, um, to feel overwhelmed, to not feel like it, like I talked about earlier. Um, And so when I'm teaching subjects, I'm yes, talking about the how-to, but I'm way more talking about the why. So that's one of the mistakes that I made in my business over the years is if I started off talking about that, why? Why is this important to you? Why now? I think the transformation and the business growth we would have seen would be totally different. So those are my seven biggest marketing fails. In my eight years of business, Um, it has been a journey and I know there's more to come. I don't want to end it on the fails though. I do want to talk about my favorite win, my favorite marketing win of over the years, which is people... I I had someone say this on a call to me the other day. I got on a call with them to, to... It was like one of the potential client calls. And they said to me, you are exactly like you are in your marketing. And to me, that was my, like the biggest compliment <laughs> I could receive because I, I say this over and over again. Social media should be a mirror, okay? It should reflect what's happening in your business. Social media is not an, a megaphone, a microphone, the best sound system blasting out everywhere. No, no, no. It's more like an acoustic guitar. It sounds like what it is, Okay. Maybe that's not the best analogy because you can still plug in a, an acoustic guitar, but you get what I mean, right? Your social media should reflect where your business is today, not where you want it to be in a few years. Okay. It should reflect where you are today, here and now. And so when someone gets on a call with me, I wanted to feel like that the, that experience of working in my business is the same experience that they have on social media. Right. So, for instance, um, I am by the time this episode comes out, I will hopefully be on my maternity leave. Uh, My team is running my social media, they're in my inbox. That happens sometimes when you email, you're not going to get me responding. Someone else is going to respond. That's an accurate reflection of what our business is like. Um, another example is, you know, when a, when a student joins into one of our strategy sessions in the school, very much like me talking to you here on this podcast. I use some of the same stories, some of the same analogies. I teach in a similar way. Um, the school is a reflection of what this podcast is and what social media is. And so that's one of my favorite wins over the years is learning that skill because it really helps with customer and client satisfaction. So where a lot of business owners and marketers get it wrong and where the sometimes the tension and the challenge comes in is trying to produce something that isn't there. And that's where it can make social media feel very hard. Um, and I'm not... If this is you, I'm not saying that there's anything that you can't fix or, or improve about this. It is hard to identify. But once you tap into that reflection piece, social media becomes a lot easier and you have that line of consistency with your clients and customers. They see what what they see on social media. They experience your business as it is. They come into your business excited about it. They leave your business excited about it and they talk about it with other people. And it creates that ecosystem that healthy businesses need so i hope you found this episode insightful and helpful don't forget about the giveaway head on over to instagram at online comment on that latest post to win enter to win a one-year membership to the savvy social school which is a huge value to you as the listener Next week, I'm talking all about how to create micro video content in 2022. It's been a highly requested topic. I'm excited to dive into that. In the meantime, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review if you love the show. It helps keep us at the top of those marketing charts. I'll see you soon for another episode. Bye for now.